So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications, and thanks always to our supporting partner, 3X Logic. Also, now we're in for a treat this week. My guest is none other than Victoria Burge-Thomas, National Fraud and Profit Protection Manager at Target Australia. Now, Victoria is personally recognised and respected both by her business, but also in the wider industry for building powerful and successful teams, one would have to say in her own mould. Uh, building from scratch with rebuilds along the way and a proven track record in implementing new technologies, revamping some old ones along the way, as well as ongoing training and ensuring that her team is the best in class and often recognised as such. Now, worked in the risk space for a decade and a half near as, 14 years I think might be the actual number, and I know has often had to combat the young and female card along the way, so we'll certainly be asking Victoria about that one. Now, Target has been through some of their worst sales periods over the last few years, yet her team have constantly delivered, proving their value, as well as continually bringing back dollars to the bottom line. Now, um, some might say, not me, but I think it was her words, but from humble analyst to now leading the fraud and profit protection team at Target. Victoria, welcome. Thank you. That's um, a really great intro. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, well, the, the thing is, you look at your, um, your, your track record. I know it is all target but it's really impressive and some of the things that target have done have been you know picked up uh, across the industry so no there's 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 a there's a big uh, a big thumbs up i think far and wide from the work that you're doing there but i've got to ask you before we get off did did young victoria sit there uh in in those warm australian summers dreaming of a career at target or or was there something else that was maybe on the horizon and then how did target uh, get onto your agenda? Yeah, um, look, it's always been a passion, the industry per se. Um, my actual um, uh, passion is uh, anti-terrorism, would you believe? So um, fraud, anti-terrorism, uh, that side of things has always been something I've been really interested in. Uh, as a young 16, 17, so a long, long time ago, um, I was uh, looking at actually heading over to the US and hopefully I was at that time joining the FBI or CIA or something like that. Um, obviously with family and at that time, you know, very green uh, around the gills, I thought it's best to probably get some experience over in Australia first. Um, wanted to get into the police force, um, but then soon realised that um, it was going to take a long time to get where I wanted to go in the police force or in uniform. So, you know, what could I do that was going to, I suppose, get me into the industry a lot quicker? Um, and uh, obviously been at Target for a very long time coming up to 10 years but I was at Cotton On before that for about five years um so yeah a long time in loss but it's something and I'll continue to say to this day that I love doing it, it's something that I've still got the passion for um always sort of you know trying to find that next thing to go after in the industry so yeah I'm pretty boring it's something I've always wanted to do which is great yeah it's interesting though the amount of people that sort of had that interest in making things better tackling the the bad guys and bad girls mm. um end up you know you and, and you do that now um you know on behalf of, of target so yeah I, I guess hence the reason you're always so upbeat you're always sort of putting best foot forward and you know you've had a few challenges to overcome and it, you, you just never seem phased by them just continue to sort of roll with them so um just give us a a, a little overview going back a step of target as a business so we have an international audience you know, hugely well-known business, but but just give us a snapshot of the size, the scale, yeah, the type of products that Target sell. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, very similar, I suppose, to Target in the US, except a completely different company. So not affiliated, but obviously we look the same. Um, Target is probably one of the best companies, and I know I work for them, so I have to say it, but it's probably one of the best companies I've worked for in regard to people, uh, performance, capability. Um, it's uh, really somewhere that you can grow no matter how much experience that you have. Um, it's a retail industry, so we have goods that are shipped from all over the world into uh, Australia, and then obviously we sell them in a retail big box kind of stores. Um, we've gone through a lot of change recently, so we're, we're sort of trying to have that one size store rather than small, medium and large. So we are trying to get uh, a similar type of um, ideal for our stores, similar type of products so that, you know, you go into a Target in Queensland, it's the same as if you go into Victoria. It, there's no confusing about where you need to go into the store, uh, but a, a great company uh, to work for. Yeah, and in terms of, um, yeah, it's interesting the, the sort of the, the the change of size of the units uh, mm. is that are you involved in sort of if you like specifying you know that fraud and risk piece and the the technology and the processes does that make your life easier if every store's the same or you know do you think you can you could be more successful oh definitely I think it does simplify you always have those outlining stores that you know some stores decide that they're going to have four entrances instead of one. You know, ideally, if we could lock the entire store down, we'd be doing great, but I wouldn't have a job. Um, but yeah, I think definitely having a same footprint makes it a lot easier, uh, whether it's your electrical and DVDs in one location, so you always know where to put the cameras, um, whether it's the entrances always into a plaza or, or a, a shopping centre rather than externally into a car park, it makes it a lot easier. I think the most brilliant thing that Target does well is every department speaks to other departments. So for example, security that I do with and look after from camera systems to EAS gates um, to surveillance, et cetera. We always talk to our property team. We always try and make sure that we liaise if they're gonna open a new store. Um, so it's always that um, engagement where we are working together. So it's not suddenly here's a new store, oops, we forgot about security or cameras. It's always done along the way and that makes it a lot easier. So when you open a store, you're ready to go. Mm. It's, yeah, how often does that happen? That ups moment, doesn't it, when something opens? Now, look, congratulations. You have uh, recently uh, risen the ladder again, National Fraud and Profit Protection Manager at Target. So uh, amazing. Congratulations. But talk to me, you know, when you are at your desk or, or working, what on earth does your day to day look like? What 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 is the number one thing that Victoria does when she sits down at a desk? And, and then is it set every day? You know, does is there all something that crashes the agenda? What on earth does it look like? Um, I think that's why I love the job so much. It's so dynamic. So generally, if you're at your desk, something's wrong. Um, so we are up, we're moving around, we're in stores, we're traveling interstate, we're out now, uh, distribution centers, supply chain. Um, it's a pretty dynamic job. It, you know, it goes from everything, like I mentioned before, from security. So, you know, your cameras and CCTV, we look after coverts and guarding. We look after fraud, which is online and in store. Uh, the profit protection elements, stock take, it's uh, total retail loss. It's the stock coming from suppliers to stores. So every day is different. Every hour is different. Um, I think the only thing the same for me is a, a Monday meeting with my manager because we have to make sure that we're, you know, we're catching up every Monday. And that's really the only thing that remains the same. And that's why I love it. It's, it's just so dynamic. Yeah. Now you, you touched on stock taking there. Now I know you've delivered what you probably call best in class stock taking results and you continue to work on 
new technology and simplify ways of working at Target. But you said that you've adapted the total loss strategy and implementing that into the wider business. Is that then getting all departments to consider shrink and loss? You know, talk to me more about that journey and what does that look like within Target? Yeah, so um, when I got this new role or took on this new role, which was in uh, April 2021, <laughs> after mm. my years, um, it was uh, about how we can uh, continue to change uh, the retail loss environment. And a lot of the retail loss at Target at that time was considered just to be in stores. So, you know, by the end of it, when it actually gets to stores, it's too late, you know, whether it hasn't been delivered. And a lot of it, uh, a lot of people wanted to blame on theft or uh, loss, that type of thing. When actually, when we looked at it and we did a few stock takes, particularly when Victoria and New South Wales, our stores were closed from COVID uh, implications, we ran some mini stock takes. And what we found is there's no one in our stores because no one can shop, but our stock's still missing. So we were able to then track, track it back and actually understand that total retail loss, which is incorporating supply chain, uh, distribution centre suppliers, going back and actually discovering, are we actually getting what we're ordering, um, was making a huge difference. And what we've found is actually that's our issue is, you know, we're not actually taking account of what we're actually ordering. Um, and it, it, we are, it's still a work in progress, I must say, you know, some um, departments have embraced it, some are kind of uh, a little bit harder to deal with. Mm. Um, but it's, it's definitely if you can get the top down, so if you're getting to get the managing director, if you can get our general managers on board, it makes it a lot easier for them to then think about in the back of their minds always shrinkage, loss. How are we going to protect our product? Are we getting what we're actually ordering? Are we paying um, for something and we're actually getting it? And that was kind of where we're, we're at. We're kind of still in that a little bit of a discovery phase at the moment, um, an engagement phase of trying to get uh, everyone on board, but we're getting there. That's interesting. So, you know, are, you know, have you discovered, is it, is it, you know, errors within deliveries from suppliers? Is it, genuine errors is there some fraud can you give us an insight into into what you've discovered because i'm not sure you know many retailers are really looking in in detail necessarily at what's what's coming in the back door or coming to the warehouse yeah and look at the moment as i said we're still in discovery but a lot of the things that we've found is uh, short ships short deliveries um on the odd occasion we found bricks or blocks uh, in boxes when it's wow. meant to be clo clothing or you know something a bit heavier so um, obviously doing a, a stock take of our distribution centers when stock comes in to before it gets to the stores is a challenge. We're a very small team. I think there's about 12 of us. Um, and we've got two massive distribution centers in Victoria and Queensland. So it is about identifying, particularly from that mini stock take we did when the, the states were closed, what's our key uh, suppliers that maybe are causing us the big, biggest headaches and let's do some more audits on those as they come in and then slowly feed it back up the chain. But look, it's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. Um, whether it's malicious or non-malicious, I think there's still a little bit to go. Um, but uh, I think, a, 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 well, a company as big as Target, when we're ordering so much, mm. I, I'm sure there's some that may want to take advantage of that. And um, maybe it's in, in an element, our own fault as well, because we haven't checked what's actually coming in. So it's, it's probably a little bit of both, to be honest. Yeah, ta ta you know, boxes in, uh, you know, bricks in boxes is, uh, you know, is, is fairly brazen, uh, you mm. know, to, to try that on. But I guess, you know, like you say, if it was known that it wasn't being checked and you can get away with it, then, you know, there will be people that, that are taking yeah. advantage. So, um, and just on that point, you know, I've often said that, you know, 
internal theft, you know, I think is massively underreported. It's that kind of subject that people don't want to address because how could somebody I work with possibly be stealing from us? Have you discovered any insights on that front, you know, that you're able to share of these little hot spots and anything that's shown up? I think no one wants to, yeah, like you've said, no one really wants to to say, actually, we've got an internal theft issue. Um, but we, when we look at some of the statistics, around 36%, um, I believe, not just from a target perspective, but an Australian retailer's perspective is actually internal. Mm. Um, and that's not necessarily just, you know, people stealing clothing or things from our stores. It's the corporate uh, issues, whether it's, you know, uh, fraud invoices or accounting, it's um, phony expenses on corporate credit cards. And, you know, we kind of deal with all that. So I, I think one of the biggest issues we had over the last couple of years was about $60,000 worth of fraudulent invoices that someone was making up and then taking the money for. Um, so it's really, and this is where I think total retail loss comes into it. It's not just that end store approach. It's hang on, it's all that money that comes up the chain that we're not considering. Um, and I think, and I, uh, you know, we may get to it a bit later, but one of the best systems that we've ever used was an APRIS retail system which is kind of like a POS fraud system yeah um and that has actually highlighted the internal issue that we've got through whether it's technology and and our team members are using uh the systems to create fraud um and that's what we've been able to identify a lot quicker with with better systems now interesting you know one of my questions was going to be what's your sort of favorite go-to piece of tech and and maybe that's it so Mm. Was that something that you've implemented? Is that you know grown in importance within the business? What what what's what's yeah. the sort of usage that you've got there now? Oh, look, it's it's something that we probably put on a couple of years ago now, maybe six or seven years ago, and it's just grown. It's one of those systems that you can tack on things. So not just our po- our pos fraud data, we've added in our expense data, we've added in. Um, uh, other elements that we can also run uh, across and it's not a reporting tool per se it's more of a query based mm. almost like a modernized sql um, uh, system so um, it's really uh, useful in, uh, in identifying fraud patterns anomalies um, of behavior a whole lot quicker mm. um, the only sort of issue is we i want it i want it a lot quicker i want it to be live and you know i think our pod systems are so old that you know sometimes technology can't keep up with systems and and we're a bit behind in that but yeah one of the best systems and the only other one would be uh which we're looking at and we're trying to integrate as a a great cctv analytical system so not only having great ip cctv but then having the analytics over the top of it which picks out hot spots um, which picks out dwell times which picks out um behavioral side of things where you can pick up if someone's hanging around a particular department too long um, and alerts a, a team member to go and actually have a chat to them um, and that's great, not only for us, because um, from a security or fraud perspective, but it's for marketing too. You know, if they're coming in a particular way, or if they're walking in a particular way, let's put our biggest products at the front and, and get them sold. Yeah. And, and I think one of the best things about that, I, you know, I love is the fact that you, you, know, you often find that, you know, customer engagement or marketing have got bigger budgets than, uh, yeah. than, <laughs> than in the so fraud and risky. So if those guys and girls are paying for this system and then you get you know, massive benefit at the back exactly. end, um, you know, whereas, you know, I'm guessing is, is the Apris system primarily owned by you? So it's, Correct. you know, you had to go for the budget and fund it. Yeah, you see. I did, I did, but actually I got IT to pay for it. So, okay. um, yeah. 
it was a new technology piece and uh, I managed to, um, you know, get it across the line with the implementing. So that was, that was a great win as well. Uh, that, that's interesting you mentioned that because my next question was going to be about uh, influence. But before we do, um, in time-honoured fashion, we're just going to take a quick 30-second break and hear from our sponsors and then we'll be back. The top people from the top organisations with the latest thinking about the best strategies to use in the greatest industry on earth, retail. The Retail Conference from the Retail Bulletin, exclusively at Retech Europe, 8th and 9th of November. Search The Retail Conference for more details. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Victoria Burge-Thomas from Target Australia. Now, um, Victoria, perfect timing there. You've just uh, uh, alluded to, to, to something else that uh, you, know, you managed to get IT to pay for, which was the APRIS system. Um, you know, clearly you've gone from success to success, success. And one of the main questions people often ask at events or at that uh, opportunity to quiz senior leaders like yourself is how on earth do you go about influencing the board um, or those that hold the budget to get what you want within LP and risk? And you've mm. just given us a perfect example of something which, which you wanted, but you got IT to pay. What's your, how do you go about that? What's your top tip for making that happen? Uh, it's definitely speaking their language. I think um, as a, an LP um, professional, you do get very caught up in LP words. You know, you go off on tangents about shrink and loss and risk, and they kind of look at you blankly. Um, and so unless you can actually speak their language, um, it's really hard to get it across the line. Um, I know a, a, like our managing director, he's uh, relatively new to Target and our general managers as well. And, and for us, it's kind of trying to paint that picture of, well, the system's going to cost this much and yes it's a fraud system however it does marketing uh, safety it's it's about incorporating other areas um, to say that it's not just a one you know a one hit wonder it's actually um, a multiple um, shop that can incorporate everything and that's what we've managed to do with APRIS particularly is um, like I mentioned you can put expense data through there you can put uh, credit card data you can put um, the POS data so it's actually it helps you tell a bigger story. Um, and then I think the other thing is being relentless. Um, the number of um, not arguments, but I suppose stern discussions I've had to have in regard to getting particular things across the line is uh, like, we're the experts, we're the, the subject matter experts, we know what we're talking about. And as much as a lot of people may stare at me blankly, um, and I know it costs money and our finance team hate spending money, but at the end of the day, it's, I know this is good and I know it's going to work and I can prove the investment in the long run. Um, it, it's making sure that I spell it out in two years, it's, the system's going to pay for itself and I just keep going and I keep going. And, and it's a matter of painting the picture, saying it in their language, but then also being relentless with it, not giving up. And, and I have to say, and you know, hats off to you for, for achieving that and getting the IT for Dummies book from Amazon or wherever it was to, uh, <laughs> to, to figure that out. But, you know, I have to flag, you know, possibly the elephant in the room, but, you know, you've been super successful, uh, young and female. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, do you feel there's been any extra baggage you've had to navigate because you've had those as well? You know, 
have you had to argue twice as hard to get your project over the line? What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, it's um it hasn't been easy, and I, I definitely don't want to go you know pull the female card or anything like that. But it's probably one of been the, the biggest challenges. Every conference I go to, uh, generally the average uh, and no offense um, yeah. age group is is male and fifty. You know, and they look at you and they think you're a, a young female. How long have you been in the industry for? I know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm an ex-cop or I'm a, something like this, and and I've been in there for forty years, and it, it's been challenging. And I think. A lot of the time, and I've obviously been through a lot of um, personal growth as well from situations I've had to deal with internally in my my teams and things like that, is um, it's about making sure that you're confident in what you do and know um, what you're doing. And then also learning. I think for me, it's I need to know what I'm talking about twice as much because if they're going to come back at me or they're going to argue with me or try and put me down or whatever it is, I'm not saying everyone does that. But it's, I can come back really quickly and say, no, this is the fact, this is what I know and keep it really factual rather than emotional. Um, sometimes it's really hard to get caught up and you get a bit, you know, a bit sensitive and you get a bit, you know, hang on, you know, I, I can be just as good as you are, but uh, it's, it's definitely taught me a lot. And I think, yes, sometimes I've had to, to fight twice as hard, but I'd have to say at Target, I've had really inspiring leaders um, throughout my career journey that have helped me to get where I am male and female, and they've helped me really uh, succeed, um, whether it's coaching, support, guidance, um, throwing me in the deep end in the middle of a managing director meeting or, um, you know, coaching me on the sidelines. And um, I've I've been really lucky to have five or six uh, really good um, support people along the way. So I think that's key as well as making sure you've got those good people and those great people around you to support you and guide you through. And just remember those of us that are, 50 when we were graduate intake or management intake you know when there was a price change we were peeling the prices off the product and putting them (laughs) back on the shelf e-commerce did not exist you know the height of technology was a nintendo game boy for those that can remember that you know it's um you know there's some definite baggage so uh yeah i think uh you know that that newer approach is 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 clearly you know forward thinking i look at a lot of the heads of you know e-commerce and it now and, um, you know, they are and they should be in their 30s because that's the norm and that's the world they're in. And, and people like yourself that have got different perspectives and bring new ways of thinking, it's clearly reaping benefits for those that, uh, that adopt. So long may it continue. Shuffle as uh, 50-year-old males off to do something else. <laughs> um, and maybe that leads on to the next, next question. You know, the qualities of a sort of modern fraud, profit protection leader. You know, you've talked about being relentless you know learning the language of of people that that you talk to and anybody that's listening to this watching us should be making notes on this because these are all the top tips so you know but but what else is there is it is it being personable and and understanding people's perspective or you know is it those large boots and give them a kick in the shins where's where's the what's the mix do you think well look i think it's definitely a 70 30 mix um and look I think the biggest thing you can be is authentic to yourself. Uh, if you're trying to be someone else, it's never going to work because eventually you're going to come out uh, as, a, as a fake or a phony and you're going to collapse. Um, for me, I, I might have a slightly different leadership style to others. I, I'm probably more empathetic than others. Um, but I also know that when someone's starting to, to step out of line or go in the wrong directions about re-guiding them, 
And then if, if we need to, uh, it's performance managing. So um, from my perspective, uh, having that empathy and that sort of emotional intelligence is definitely key. Um, and it's, it's, for me, insight. And like we sort of spoke about before, it's you never stop learning. And just because, you know, I've, I've learned a lot doesn't mean that I know everything. And back to the 50-year-old males, they probably know stuff too that can help. Um, and they, they bring a different insight, but it's, it's making sure that we've got the insight from everyone rather than just one sort of narrow path mind. Um, I was just going to say as well as, you know, striving to be better, doing better, integ integrity um, and having that authenticity is key. Um, yeah. and, and maybe you, you use a really interesting word there, empathy, you know, thinking back to those maybe from ex, you know, law enforcement or from the mm. backgrounds that may have filled these roles. Yeah, you know, I, I think we've definitely seen empathy come into the mix. Um, yeah. But it seems to, you know, it's it's proven. It's not not a sort of, you know, soft approach. It, but it, it it generally yields results. And you know, I'm guessing you've seen that with your team as well. A, a, an arm around the shoulder at the right time. Definitely. Uh, you know, everyone's going through their own thing. Uh, and I think if you go in there, you know, quite headstrong and this is how we're doing it and this is, you know, not really giving the why, you're going to lose them straight away. And I surround myself and I, you know, I have to compliment my team. They're the best team I could possibly have. They're all experts in their own individual space. Let's utilise them and let's make sure that we're all on this journey together um, and get in the trenches. I think, you know, if you're leading from the top and you're bossing people around without sort of understanding the different perspectives or you know their ideas then you're going to lose people um and i think if you surround yourself with people that can um you know do your job one day then you're on the right path yeah i think that 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 you know that takes big shoes in the uh in in the, in the broader sense of of um you know, training people up to be able to do your job when you when you're not there um i think we have to put our hands up and say you know, generally big generalization but but females are often better at that but they reap the rewards of that the, mm. the male ego can get in the way terribly can't it from 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 times and uh, you know you know there's, there's lots of you know lots of examples of of all that coming through now look final question for you um the future of target retail in general in australia you know you look after e-com as well where is target's future what are you focusing on as a business, what are you getting asked to look at going forward? You know, what do you think it's going to shape up like over the next few years? Yeah, look, I think um, as much as people go down the e-com path, I think stores are still really important. Everyone loves to touch and feel product. Um, now there's some product that you don't need to, you know, your iPads and iPhones, they all look the same. You're pretty good at it. Um, but particularly in a retail space from a clothing, et cetera, point of view, people still want to do that. Um, from an e-com perspective, I think people are going to want things a lot quicker. You know, we're trying to do the one hour click and collect. We're trying to do, you know, instant deliveries, uh, returns particularly, I think is a big one, refunds. Um, but the issue I think in a retail space at the moment is everyone's got to come together. It's not just retail, it's banks, it's transit companies, it's Australia Post. It's, you know, everyone needs to say, right, well, it's a two hour turnaround. We've got to get it to, from here to here in a certain time frame. And if they don't want it, then we've got to refund them in a certain time frame. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot more quicker uh, and a lot harder, I think, for retailers that don't have the ability to keep up with it. Um, in regard to stores, I think, you know, we definitely want to look at how we can get customers in and out as quick as possible. Everyone's sort of obviously still concerned around COVID and what that looks like. No one wants to stay 
in one place at one time too long. So whether that's, you know, you have an account, you walk into Target, you walk out with a trolley and it's automatically come off your credit card um, or something like that. And I think RFID, uh, I will continue to push it from a Target perspective. It's still probably a little while off, but once again, that kind of forms into that total retail loss where we can track what's coming from our suppliers, what goes into our distribution centers, what goes into our stores, but then what walks out without being paid. So it's that life cycle journey of stock. Um, I think that's key for us. So that the, the quickness, the, the refunds, I think is a big one um, and RFID for us, um, I will be continuing to push. And, 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 a, and a, a big watch out to the uh, purchasing and uh, you know, customer managed department of Target. I think Victoria's on the way banging the RFID drum and you guys are going to be paying for it and she's going to be using it. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Victoria, it's always an absolute pleasure. You are, uh, uh, without uh, picking favourites, you are one of my favourites. I always love your enthusiasm and knowledge. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be my guest this week and uh, we'll hopefully see you soon. Uh, we're back in Australia for Retail Risk Melbourne uh, on the 3rd of August at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. I'll be there. Hopefully you will as well. And uh, until then, thanks very much and uh, take care. Thank you. Always a pleasure.